You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, Dead Beats Radio. Dead's dead, baby. Dead's dead. I come through playing dead shit. This is Dead Beats Radio with Zed's Dead. Zed is dead, dumb some rule bars. Dead Beats Radio. Welcome back to Dead Beats Radio. We're your host, Ed's Dead, and this is episode 150. And uh, we got a great show for you today. Lots of great new music. Plus, on the second half of the show, DC and I are going to do a little Q&A with uh, questions that you guys hit us with on Twitter. So without further ado, let's get into the music. Here we go. Dead Beats Radio, episode 150. This is Dead Beats Radio with Zed's Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Beats Radio with Zed's Dead. Next up, we got our Raise from the Dead. This one's a classic jungle tune by Marvelous Kane and Busy B, and it's called Everyday Junglist. Get in touch at Zed's Dead, hashtag Dead Beats Radio. My shot's going down, down, down.
I see you got a man. He look broke in the van. I'm hella petty. We made love, me and you had the best vibes. Used to love me, now you throwing up the finger like it's West Side. Me and you had the best vibes. Used to love me, now you throwing up the finger like it's West Side.
I said before, we got a Q&A, myself and DC answering questions that you guys submitted on Twitter. And uh, we tried to do this over Zoom and record the video and then over Skype and just do audio and the internet just kept giving out. So we had to just record a phone call and uh, the audio, you know, it's a bit whatever, but uh, still fun still answered a lot of your questions so here it is uh zed's dead q a deadbeats radio episode 150 hashtag deadbeats radio uh what is your favorite simple shape so many options <laughs> yeah you know the, the first one that comes to mind is, is is the triangle for some reason i don't know why maybe it's because it, it, it the structural support system that it that it embodies i mean i guess they're all the strongest shape yeah yeah triangle's the triangle the strongest triangle shape. though the triangle yeah to use it in um engineering i believe yeah bridges and whatnot very powerful very powerful yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to copy your answer and go with the triangle, too. All right, good. Three, three sides. Nice. Strong, you know. That's what crystals are made of. Or diamonds, right? Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, see what else we got here? Have you ever pursued getting Quentin Tarantino to appear in a collab with you as he likes to in his movies? No, we've never pursued Quentin, but um, somebody we we were told that that um, somebody did tell him about us, and he is aware. Um, confirmed that he is aware of the existence of that that, but that might be all he knows. Um, I mean, that's that's good enough for me, yeah. really. <laughs> just him being aware of our existence. Other little tidbit <laughs> of Pulp Fiction crossover. We did do a music video with, shoot, what's that guy's name? I'm going to look it up right now. Tim Green. Um, the guy who played Zed in Pulp Fiction. This guy hit us up who did, who shot some uh, video. Peter Green, him. yeah. Peter Green, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, this, the director had shot some video of Peter Green, hit us up saying he wanted to use that footage to make a music video, and we used it for our music video of The Living Dead. And it's kind of like a loose spin-off to Pulp Fiction in a weird way. <laughs> but I don't know if Quentin Tarantino knows about that. And furthermore, uh, both of us at a time worked at Whole Foods in Toronto. And Dylan, while Dylan was working there, um, Bruce Willis, you bagged his groceries, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember him coming in. I was. I had my head down bagging groceries, not really paying attention, and I saw just a, a single bottle of uh, Advil come across the the uh, conveyor belt or whatever, what have you. And I looked up and I saw this kind of surprisingly tall man, and it was Bruce Willis. And I say surprisingly tall because I I thought that he would be one of those actors that was shorter in real life, but no, and he's actually in fact pretty tall. Yeah, well, that's that, that, I think that's as far as our uh, Quentin Tarantino connection goes. I can't do any others, but that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I mean, after that. I wish I had that. It's a fair series. Yeah, I mean, after that. I didn't bag anyone famous. What's that? I said I never bagged any famous person's groceries while I worked there. But there were, there was a time when I think Hillary Duff was there. I remember, like, in the back room, people were like, oh, Hillary Duff's here. And I think Matt Damon was there once, too. I didn't see either of them, though. Yeah, I saw I saw a couple celebs there. I saw Daniel Craig and some others. I can't remember who else. I mean, after that Bruce Willis interaction, I, I totally had, like, a a fantasy conversation in my head of where I spoke to him about the dead, but it didn't actually happen in reality. When he looked at you, did it look like he knew? Like he just, he you, you know, like you were somehow connected to him? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like he did. And that's, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Got, I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis uh, has given us the okay season in. Yeah. Um, okay, favorite Britney Spears song? Easy, Toxic. <laughs> A good one. I always like that good, that old guitar riff in there. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really for the production mostly. Can't say I'm a huge Britney Spears fan, but you know, Toxic's got a hot beat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I remember Mark Ronson. I think had a had like a cool cover that he did for that track too. Yeah. Yeah. Should play it on the show. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. Who was the first artist you looked up to, enjoyed, that told you that they admired your music? Uh, the one that comes to mind for me is definitely Scream. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much that he said he admired our music, but he did play uh, Eyes on Fire on his radio show. And we obviously were big fans of his, and uh, he was an influence on on us. And that was uh, that was like major approval. I remember. What would you say? Uh, yeah, that was definitely the first one that jumped to my mind as well. Um, and then a little bit later down the road, it was cool uh, when, we, when we met up with Diplo, and he said that he'd heard our music and had played some as well. And I'm trying to think of who else was in there. But yeah, Scream was, was the yeah, first one that came out of my too. Oh, and then there was the mysterious, uh, on our MySpace page, Flying Lotus wrote, I'm listening, and we're a fan <laughs> of Flylo. Yeah, we never uh, like like got in touch with him or anything really for like years. I think it was only like a couple years ago that we actually met him, and we asked him about that, and he had no recollection. So. Yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah. like it was even more re- like it was just last year that we met him. Yeah, I think it was, it was in New York. Yeah, um, New York. Yeah. How did you come up with your individual stage names? Uh, for me, I think I was like 15 or something like that, and I was just looking for something that was kind of like a double entendre or something, you know, like Captain Hook. Like the hook is a part of the song, and I just like went with that. And um, I was even thinking of doing like these stupid, stupid like slogans on my beats back then. I think I did it on like my SoundClick page. Where it was like, you're listening to Captain Hook. Really stupid. But um, I just, it just never changed it. So that was pretty much it. It's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, uh, DC technically stands for Dusty Crates, which I don't know. Like, I, I, I think about it that way sometimes, but I also think about it just as simple DC or like 
the D is sort of for Dylan in a way. At, at, at one point, I thought it was going to be Dylan DC. Before that, I, I had my own name that was Stylist for like two seconds and then kind of jumped around a bunch and then just landed on DC. You know, Dusty Crate. Why did you change it from Stylist? Stylist? I can't remember. Was there, an, there was another Stylist? Yeah, I think I, I think, um, yeah, I think there was uh, some other stylists that I found online. I mean, stylus is a as a reference to like the the stylus on a on a on a turntable, like the needle. Um, and I yeah, I don't know. It was probably partially because there was other people out there, partially because I wasn't 100 percent happy with it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, for for uh, I think I think I did one. Uh, uh, one or two nights where I DJ'd at a bar and uh, went by D's cuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what what is the creation story on the song Lost You? That track changed the course of my DJ career and got me listening to House again and now I make house. It's so interesting to hear you guys do a track like that at the time. Um well, thanks. And that track, uh, we were put in touch with Twin Shadow uh, on a trip we made to L.A. And we got in the studio together. Um, he was playing us a bunch of stuff. We were playing him a bunch of stuff. And he played something that had, um, that was like the basis of Lost You. It had like the chorus and and all that, but um, we took that, and we were in, like, Red Bull Studio, I think, in L.A., I remember correctly, and we were just, was, I think, like, right after we met up with him, and then we were working on it, and we kind of, like, completely flipped around uh, what the original idea was and turned it into a house track, and we were listening to a lot of, like, house at the time, I think, but we've always sort of, like, made house in a way that was the first like kind of more funky um house track we made before that was like much more electro house but it, it really it was it was really just like um it just felt right i don't know it was kind of like the vocal and it inspired uh the way we did the beat and that was d'angelo lacy who did that vocal mm-hmm. with twin shadow writing and then uh, Twin Shadow had some guitar on it, too, that we used. Um, what else? I remember at the time, um, I was a little curious how the reception on that track would be. I think we were wondering if people were just going to be like, you know, fuck this, because they're, you know, sometimes dubstep fans can be a little bit like, only, you know, only one thing. But I felt like we, a lot of people had gotten used to the idea that we did a lot of different things. Yeah. That track was actually incredibly well received. Pleasant mm-hmm. surprise. Yeah, it was a nice surprise. I, I remember thinking the same thing, and um, I think we had laid the groundwork, you know, for people to expect certainly different stuff from us at times. But at the same time, to us, it still definitely felt like um, like something quite quite different, um, even even despite our prior catalog. And uh, yeah, I mean, I remember being, I remember being really happy with the reception it got. But it was like a, fun, it was a fun track to make. I remember like we put a lot of work into it, but I remember, I remember that like there was his version, and then, and then we did like um, like one of the first things we did with it, I think was that bass line, 
great, and that kind of that kind of stuck with it the whole time, even though there was a lot of sex yeah, at first. It was kind of like that vibe kind of carried through, you know? I think the first version was more of like a, an Amen break kind of like breaks track with the same bass line. Mm. And then we sort of made it more of just a straight-up like house thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like a straight-up house thing, but like it was just like we did the drums differently than, than the first version. Yeah. Maybe we can find that version and play it. Yeah, that'd be cool. What's your favorite kind of candy? I like sour candies, personally. I like many, many different things that are sour. Um, I mean, I, we're talking about, like, candy candies, you know, like that. I'm, I'm assuming ice cream and things like that don't fall into the cat, candy category. So I'll say, like, I definitely gravitate towards the sour stuff. Like, I, I like even, like, Warhead and stuff a lot. But, I mean, the kind of, I feel like... Probably the the quintessential sour candy is you know obviously the sour the sour key. Yeah, that was my favorite when I was a kid. The sour key. Um, I don't know if everyone like knows about these, but um, in Toronto, like every corner store had these. It's kind of gross when you think about how unsanitary like those little <laughs> containers where you reached in with your hand and like picked up a sour key. It was like ten cents each, and they were so addictive. I remember I'd eat them until. My teeth were, like, it hurt. But for some reason, the weird thing was you could eat more sour keys. But anything else you ate made your teeth, made your teeth hurt. Yeah. For me, it was, like, my tongue and my mouth, like, it would just get shredded. Try drinking some orange juice or something after that. I mean, I don't know why you would, but if you did, fuck it. Boom. It's like a smack in the face. What drum and bass artist has helped to inspire your sound throughout the years? Many. Yeah, I mean, like, got to shout out Noisia uh, from the get-go, those guys, and Calyx and TV and Pendulum. Um, just, like, the sounds that they were making, you know, made me be like, like, we got to figure some shit out because this makes me feel like I don't even know how to produce. And I think, like, just the production quality and stuff of a lot of drum and bass, uh, especially, like, the neurofunk stuff, um, help to I think at the time I felt like it was like people who like looked at that stuff kind of aspired to have like a better um, aspired to be better I don't know fucking mm-hmm. okay, what was that track by like like Original Sin to like I can't, I can't remember Therapy yeah that was a big one but yeah I mean I was gonna say for sure Noisia too like I, I mean on, on a lot of levels, you know, just fucking ex- expanding the mind and, like, realizing, like, how far you can take things with, like, electronic music in a way. I mean, for yeah. me, like, for me, like, um, I guess not as much as on the production, but just, like, in a sense of getting into, like, that realm of music in general, like, was, like, you know, Shy effects, Give a D, like, fucking Dillinger and stuff, stuff like, I didn't even know the names too well, but, like, stuff I was hearing at, at some raves in Toronto and shit like that, that made me be like, oh, this music's kind of interesting. And then later on, I'd be like, yeah. dive into the other guys and really see how far the production could be taken. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, it was, it was like, you know, the pinnacle of, like, sound design and all that cool stuff, and we just... We were listening to a lot of, like, Electro House and stuff, which there was, like, a lot of that. It was 
it was more like trashy and like crusty in a, in a good way. But like, I think we were trying to incorporate the like really cool, like, like sounds of, of the drum and bass stuff with other musics, like with dubstep, with um, electro house. And there were a lot of other people, I'm sure, trying to do that too. But um, yeah, it was kind of like, like, let's figure out how to make these sounds so we can use it in our style. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we were also interested in making drum and bass, but I think that it was it was just a, like, um, electronic music in general. We were trying to just expand our scope of what we could bring to the table on, on any sort of song. And drum bass definitely played a big role in that. Funniest thing to ever happen to you on stage? I mean, there was that one and jumped up, and I swear he was, like, on meth or something because he had this, like, superhuman strength and he was trying to, like, rip apart our production. And, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> several, several guys were, were trying to pry him off, and he's, like, a skinny, like, guy. But he yeah. has, like, superhuman strength. And it took, like, several security guards to, to just, like, pull him off of the thing. And it was funny because it was, like, what happened? Like, he was just in the crowd, and then some visual, like, some visual happened, and he just snapped. And he's like, I have to destroy the production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot about that, man. It was we had those uh, those big LED panels in front of us, and we were like, we we're like, what, what, like subliminal message did he like did his brain decode from what we were <laughs> displaying out there? Because you know, one second we were just playing, and the next second this, this, <laughs> this madman was in front of us. There was also that time that just popped in my head that. I think we were playing in Edmonton, and a fan ran up on stage, and the security guard, you know, kind of a high stage, and the yeah. security guard tried to grab him, and he slipped, and he fell, like, off the stage in such a, a weird, funny way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, like, there's so many, like, there's so many weird, funny things that I couldn't have expected to, to see. Like, people have literally been, like, having sex, like on a speaker, I think, at a festival once I heard about. I didn't actually see this. We were like, oh, people are like fucking like right on the speaker. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, not, it's not so funny, but people have thrown like really fucked up shit at us before. It's like, yeah, no, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny. <laughs> um, I've seen like five people, you know, in a totem pole. Yeah. Like, like, like one of them got up to like five. A Broden pole. That's pretty crazy. A Broden pole. Yeah. There was that time that that German kid just like got squeezed so hard that he popped out of the crowd. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't really know how that just reminded me of that. <laughs> Sorry, but it was really funny to be there. Uh, in Sweden that time, it was like. They were like, someone got stabbed. Yeah. And then we're like, what? That's fucking fucked up. Like, and then it turned out that nobody got stabbed. And some kid's birthmark exploded, which I did yeah. not know could happen. Apparently, he was just gushing blood. His birthmark exploded. 
Yeah, really I mean, funny, but it was just something weird that happened. <laughs> I remember this ex- explanation being given to us and being like, "What the, what the fuck?" And then no, no nothing yeah. further was said. So that's all we know about that. I don't know why this popped in my head. Well, one time in uh, in Ibiza, we were playing at that cafe Mambo, and there weren't like that many people there. And like this one girl was just like standing right in front, and she was just like, "Are you Steve Aoki?" <laughs> so clearly not Aoki. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's been a few of those. I feel like one time didn't someone like pull all the the cords out of the out of the um, mixer? Yeah, that that happened to me when I was in, <laughs> I was doing some solo shows in the UK very early on. And one of the last ones I did, I, I fucking Birmingham or something like that. This angry drunk man just popped out of the crowd, grabbed all the RCA tables out of the back of the mixer, and fucking the, the bouncer went to go apprehend him, but he tossed him out of the club with some of the cables still in his possession. So fucking <laughs> the set just uh, came to an abrupt halt for like a good at least 10 solid minutes or something, which in that context feels like an hour. If I gave you a spaceship, what planet would you go check out first? I mean, how far can the spaceship go? Can I go to another solar system or another galaxy? Can I explore? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I think the spaceship can go to any planet that exists. Well, in, in that case, I mean, I would do, you know, some uh, some pretty awesome, like, galactic surfing and, like, check out what's out there. I mean, yeah. if, we're talking, if we're talking immediate solar system, I don't know. I've always liked Saturn. <laughs> yeah, like, like go on the rings and just yeah. fly around. I don't think there's any, like, land in Saturn. I'm not sure. They say it's a gas planet. I don't know what that exactly means. But I think I think it's just, like, gas and then maybe, like, a core. Big bag of gas. could land on it. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, there's no planet I really want to go to. They all seem like they suck. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that too. Like, I mean, I would try to find another inhabitable pl- inhabitable planet, or just fly directly. Yeah, like them. Mars. Mars looks like boring as hell. Yeah, cold and alone. Like it'd be dope to like, be to like hover. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be dope to like you know pull up, hover in the lower atmosphere, like take a gander, and then just like take off. You know, that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> can't exactly show on these planets. If you were to compare how your sound was back then and now, how has it changed, evolved to where you guys are at? Um, I'm not sure when back then is to this person, but uh, over the course of the time we've been making music, I think it's like been pretty much the same for both of us. Uh, you know, the first things we made like hip-hop music, um, emulating 90s sort of East Coast rap, DJ Premier, Wu-Tang, that kind of stuff. And then um, I would say that, like, it was, for me, it it was all, like, just an extension of trying to make um, just something that you liked. Like, just something that that made you feel something. And... uh, incorporating electronic music was just 
or incorporating synths and, and, and grimy bass sounds and, and all that stuff is just um, an extension of trying to make something cool. There, I don't know, there was never like an effort to make one thing in particular. And so I think our sound just continues to evolve, but more so just to try and make good music as, as like broad as that is. It's kind of like, like what would you say? You know, I mean, like we've gone through, I can say there was a period where we were just like stuck in a certain way ever, but yeah, I can see how someone might. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think um, what I'm what I'm what kind of comes to mind is like the like you know your technical kind of ability evolves over time, and that can lead you down certain pathways. But at at the core, the kind of the goal is always the same, right? Just to make stuff that you're you're digging or whatever. And then like yeah, and and, and just like obviously, I mean, we're we're both I think very always fascinated with the technical side of production as most producers are and certain different sounds different techniques whatever those can always get you excited and then you just try to incorporate those into your music in different ways and then I think like um, as time progressed we also started collaborating with more people and we've done that a lot recently which is which always expands your your vibe in a different way and can take you down different pathways but yeah like you said at the core it's, it's kind of it's always the same just with um, just wherever it takes you, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I'd say like you know mentally we're in the same headspace as uh, as we've always been. Um, just just trying to make music that we both like and uh, and feel something. You know, when you're making something, it's almost like self gratifying. Like you. You're feeling this emotion as you're as you're designing it, and, and that's the, the thing that steers the ship, really. Yeah, I think that that and and obviously like influence too. I mean, like we, you know, we're always listening to different stuff, and we, your 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 tastes and should evolve or not evolve, but like you know, you just vibe off different stuff, and that that inevitably makes it into your music somewhere or another as well yeah all right well i think uh, that's good for the q a thanks everyone right. for sending in your questions yeah shout um, out to you guys some good questions dead beats radio all right we're about out of time for dead beats radio 150 sorry about the shitty audio quality of that q a but it's the best we could do at the moment next time we'll do better uh we're gonna leave you with one more is our Catching Z's track of the week, Kid Fruity SFO AA 2060 is the name of the song. Till next time, peace. Catching Z's. <laughs>